Hey, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. It's John, Logan, and Phil today talking about hand saws and workbenches and whatever else comes up. Lots of stuff to talk about here. So I want to give a special thank you to Epilogue Laser. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is presented by Epilogue Laser. Quickly and easily customize your woodworking projects for added beauty and value. Learn more at epilogelaser.com. All right, just one comment from last week's episode that I want to share. Uh, Wood Tick Greg writes, I have a small vintage 1942 Burke Mill and a fully okay. restored vintage 1949 South Bend heavy 10-inch metal lathe. I'm just a hobbyist with machining, but I do enjoy it. I also have a Powermatic mill, right mill? Spin me right round. Similar to a Bridgeport, all in my basement. One side of the basement is the wood shop, and then the other side is the metalworking shop. Mechanics, tools, a MIG welder in the garage. I have also made my own carbide turning tools, tool rest, etc. I made a diamond grinding wheel dresser too, I can make parts for my other hobbies, bicycles, motorcycles, etc. So sometimes the metalworking does cross over to the wood shop and vice versa. Maybe a metal tool needs a handle or something. There's always something very cool about running metalworking machines that are all older than me, and I'm a senior citizen. <laughs> and yes, tooling for the metalworking machines is a rabbit hole, kind of like a wood lathe and all the tool for that. Oh, and my friends love that I have all this stuff. It sounds like he's just bragging that he's got all these yeah. tools and yeah. friends and yeah. he's done yeah. all this stuff. Well, yeah. listen here, Woodtick Greg. Let's circle yeah. back in a year and see who has the most tools. Yeah. <laughs> it starts now. Yeah. Machinist tool flex going on here. Yeah. Although the little benchtop mill is kind of a cool idea. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to look up that model at some point here. Yeah. Especially since I didn't realize they made vintage ones, you know. Right. Like how old is the I mean I know they I know they make like benchtop horizontal mills. So they're not vertical mills. So the cutter head is actually the shaft comes at you as the user. Right. And that's what uh our former editor Vince had. I know he had one of those. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. He had a horizontal mill. But he's not bragging about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that does that mean that you're going to be looking up a vintage benchtop mill then? Or are you still? Not, nope. I have too much crap I need to get done in here first. Um, <laughs> I, I have a class I'm teaching in here in the next. It's next. Not next Saturday. Maybe it is next Saturday. So not not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, and I would I really need to get the bathroom done before that class. Okay, so, I did. I mean, I did some random trim stuff this last weekend. I think um, I've I've had a cold this week, so it's like I haven't. I've I have laid on on the couch and been miserable, according to my wife. So, um, <laughs> but I did some like I I don't know. I I did some random like touch up paint and trim that needed to happen um, for no reason other than I was watching Top Gun Maverick and just was working away. So, okay. Yeah. But All no, right. no, I will, I will look at metalworking stuff at some point. Just not right now. Yeah. Not, not in the next year. So. <laughs> So to go back with something you just said, um, I know you're going to have an office in your workshop. Mm-hmm. Are you going to have some kind of soft furniture in there? I'm going to have a couch. Right. That's what I was wondering. Like yeah. for these kind of times where... Where I'm sick and being a baby. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of go to your alone palace and... yeah. Kind of. Well, I think it's more so like the kids can come out and hang out on the couch or the dogs. You know what I mean? So, yeah, 
my plan my wife has sent me a few uh links to like couches for sale and stuff because she knows she knows like i want like a either like a big stupid like looking leather couch with you know like the claw feet type thing like in mm-hmm. the rivets and whatever like just something that she won't allow in the house <laughs> or <laughs> like the 1970s like floral print couch that's just really this the davenport the mm-hmm. davenport yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah Take the plastic I off and <laughs> that's right yeah yeah so i was i was wondering something similar because chris has been in a few days this week and brought nicholas his yep. uh border collie in yep and he has a little menards dog bed in there yeah he does and i was thinking what nicholas really needs considering the size of him i mean he fits fine in the dog bed it's not like it's super dinky or anything yeah. But we need to find just some kind of like kind of beat up recliner. Yeah, or just yeah. soft cushy chair. Yeah. That's not fit for human sitting on it anymore and that just turns into his dog bed. Yeah, in Chris's in Chris's room. Yeah, cuz uh Chris was in here filming in the studio and brought Nicholas in here just so that he wasn't sitting back in the CNC lair all by himself. And He'd come around and get scratches from everybody, but for the most part, he just parked himself on the uh, futon we have in here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Nicholas needs a chair. Yeah. Just a Nicholas chair dog bed. Yep. Oh, let's say back to the metalworker thing real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one day I was in this week on Tuesday. It was Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday. Um... I ran over at lunchtime and looked at a lathe that I'm supposed to be picking up from one of our former builders, uh, Dana Myers. And I, I'm getting it in trade for some a bunch of milling. I mean, I've probably milled for him three or four times. Um, I'm not, I don't really charge him. Um, I horse trade with him. So I've, I've gotten a gooseneck trailer from him. I've gotten a lathe now from him. It works out great. Um, I love horse trading. Uh, but this lathe is a Koenig, which is German for King. HS 2006 is the model number. It's made in right. Germany. I think it was made in the 70s, 80s, maybe 90s. Um, I don't think it's the 90s. I think it's earlier yeah. than that. Right. Um, but as per the August home MO of the day, when they bought that lathe... They bought it with every single attachment known to man. So, like, it comes with everything you could buy for a Koenig lathe. <clears throat> and some of them have labels on them, like a handwritten label. It says spiraling attachment. I know, I'm pretty sure there's, like, metalwork. Because there's there's a tool holder in there that that holds, like, carbide cutting tools for metalworking. So, and there's, like, a crossfeed. So... I don't know if they had a metalworking attachment for it too or what. Like just this crazy weird lathe. And you want to know the most frustrating thing about this. And it's kind of it's an ego thing on my part. I cannot find a single bit of information on this lathe anywhere. Like usually it's like okay, you find a patent date, you can pull up a patent or so I can't find a dang thing on this Koenig lathe. I can find people that had them. Um, but everyone's like, yeah, we can't find manuals for them. Um, one, one guy I found had one, um, last year he had one, he got rid of it. Uh, I found a post on one of the vintage woodworking groups and he's like, yeah, he's like, I have family in Germany. He's from like Munich or something. He's like, I had family over there hunting for a manual for me and I could not find one. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be one of these, like. Give them a jig, they'll figure it out. <laughs> Hopefully, yep. not break anything because I don't think I can buy parts for that lathe. But maybe all maybe all the manuals were stored in the Berlin Wall in the in the probably eighties. Pro- yeah. yeah, that's all probably lost what the time. it was. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's probably what it was. Because it was made in it was made in West Germany, which doesn't exist anymore. So right. that's why you can't find them. Yeah. So what's the model on it? It is a Koenig HS two thousand six. HS two thousand six. Yep. So 
if any of our 32 listeners have a <laughs> Koenig HS 2006 manual laying around, let me know. Hey, one of our listeners has a Burke mill from 1942, so this is you never true. know. This is true. Or maybe he knows somebody who knows somebody. That's and right. I just I uh, I just Googled it, and the Burke mill, at least one that I saw, is a horizontal mill. Yeah, I say that that seems the Burke B is what I just pulled up, which is actually really really cool looking, because um, it looks like they sold them on a pedestal. That is sweet. Yeah. Now it's like the, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Yeah the the problem is like I've I've ran I've ran vertical mills before. We had we had two bridge ports in my high school shop. I've ran right. those. I've never ran a horizontal mill. I think it just I think you just gotta like wrap your head around it a little differently, like on how everything moves and stuff. Yeah, like, it's just just a different thing. And yeah. I don't really have the need to do any like super heavy machining. So a uh-huh. little a little thing like that I think would probably work. Um, but like the one example where I do have a need, I actually just yesterday was. Uh, swapping emails so i've I've that big plane or the big jointer right yeah yeah. um you guys saw the cutter head come in um i don't know i don't think we talked about that my hill we have not yeah yeah okay so i so my big uh jt towsley joiner is 24 inches when i bought it the head was destroyed the head had they had crashed something in it like a knot or something and the cutter head was bent or a cadillac or a cadillac yeah they ran a cadillac frame over it a jet um, thought it was a uh, aircraft carrier aircraft trying carrier, to land yes. on it. Yeah, 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 something. So the head was destroyed. So my option was to have a new head machined for it. Now I could either have a straight knife head machined or a helical head machined. Now it seems silly to have a straight knife head machined when a helical head is not that much more. I mean, you're doing the machining process, so it's just it's an incremental amount more to have a helical head made. So it was it was very expensive. Um, to have the vehicle head made, but it is what it is. Um, but the head arrived after a year. It just arrived last week, maybe. Is yeah, when it this showed is the up last week. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we all kind of opened it up and oodinod over. It's 149 pounds per the box label. So she's pretty heavy. Probably 150 or 140 after you take off all the weight and stuff. Whatever. Yeah. You know, tomato, tomato at that point. Um, but now my next process is to or my next order of operations is to get bearings made bearing blocks because the head was damaged. I'm assuming the bearing blocks themselves were cracked and broke. So there was no bearing blocks that held the head in place. So right now I have the jointer, the two beds and a head. I don't have any way to mount the head to the the bed. So I have to have, I've, I could buy pillow block bearings and just make it work. But you know, that, I'm going to have, you know, several thousand dollars into this jointer anyways. I might as well make it right. So when I go to sell it, I'll be able to make some money on it. Um, Keith Rucker is a gentleman that owns uh, a website called VintageMachinery.org. And he also has a YouTube channel, um, Vintage Machinery. Uh, The guy's fantastic. Like, you talk about stupid toys that people should not have on a personal level. He has them. The guy's phenomenal. (laughs) And he has a lot of he has a lot of subscribers. Like he he does a lot of videos. Um, you know, very 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 intelligent guy. Um, I just I like watching stuff. I think I mentioned he's he's redoing a bandsaw for Jimmy Duresta right now, a forty two inch uh, bandsaw. Um, but you know, obviously with the name Vintage Machinery, he does a lot of vintage machinery stuff. Not it, some of it's metalworking, a lot of it's metalworking. Some of it is. Um, woodworking. Some of it has nothing to do with anything. He does a lot of cane mill restorations, so sugar cane mills. Okay. So he's down in Georgia um, somewhere, so kind of down in sugar cane country, right? And there were these mills that you would, I guess, spin up and put sugar cane through, and it would extract the liquid and stuff. He does a lot of those, too. So this is all a long way of saying Keith... I, I've been talking to Keith about this this project I'm working on. He sent me down to a foundry down in Alabama called Breezy Hill. 
Um, Breezy Hill, I think, is in maybe an Amish foundry. I might be wrong on that. But it's a foundry that specializes in doing, like, uh, vintage machinery reproduction pieces. So basically, Keith's like, you know, he's like, I've I've had them cast jointer fences. You know, I've had them cast stupid Whoa. stuff that, you know, yeah, oh, yeah, like that type of thing. Um, so he sent me down there. They said that they could do the bearings. Um, I happen to have a SketchUp file from one of our readers um, because he was redoing a Towsley jointer exactly the same time as me, and he had the bearing blocks. So he had made a SketchUp model of the bearing blocks for me. He had made them, but not for me, but he gave them to me. Uh, so basically, Breezy Hill told me 500 bucks to make the bearings, the bearing blocks. Okay. okay. That's going to be a raw casting. Um, I think Breezy Hill was out several months because I think the guy might do it part-time. Um, so I had the bright idea last two weeks ago. Um, I'm part – I am a – I'm actually the vice chair of the Industrial Tech Advisory Board for University of Northern Iowa. Um, and I'm like, for the graphics department, and I'm like, you know what? The industrial tech department, they have a metal foundry. Like, that is one of their big um, disciplines there is they have a metals and metal foundry. And, I mean, they have John Deere. They have, uh, there's a Viking pump, I think, is maybe up there. Um, okay. That does a lot of cast iron, you know, housings and stuff. So they have a very robust foundry division and i'm like this is dumb why am i sending these parts down to alabama when i can have them cast two hours away and i can drive up there and shoot photos sure so long story short the university is going to cast these blocks for me all um, right so their their student their student foundry club which is a thing is going to uh take these mold take take the sketchup model have the molds made they're going to cast them for me i'm going to come up and do photos it's gonna be february before this happens because they have other projects before then um, but then those raw castings need machined. So when they come out of the sand casting, you can't just bolt that on a machine. You have to, you have to machine the ways you have to bore the bearing housing to the right size. Like there's a lot of work that has to happen after the fact. Right. So I was thinking, man, I would probably, I wouldn't save money by buying a milling machine and doing it all myself. <laughs> But it would be, a, you know, not that much more. <laughs> it's an investment. <laughs> right. But I think I think Keith Rucker is actually going to – he's going to do the bearing block machining for me, and he's going to do a video on them. So I don't think he's going to charge me to do them. I offered I, – I said, you know, I want you to charge me standard machine shop rates, you know. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. So that's coming. But All right. Yeah, I, was I still ask think there's that. a need for. I still think there's a need for a, a, a metal mill in here. Okay, or in Chris's area, it doesn't matter. It could be there too. Right. Yeah. Now I got to see if I I got to look up a video on how those horizontal mills work because it's kind of I actually I actually think that Vince had a video on one. I feel like the one time I saw his video on on his that he did. He was cutting I, – I feel like he was cutting gears. Okay. So I think he – you know, yeah. I think he was cutting gears on it is what he was doing. But, yeah. Okay. They're, they're, they're interesting. They're not – it's not the way that I think about something working when it comes to metal milling because I've never been around one. But they're a very sure. old-style mill. Yeah. Going back to your cutter head, I thought it was kind of interesting that – we did the rough math. There's like 240 carbide inserts on that thing. There's a lot of them. I think is there's 200. Was it 240? For some reason, I had over 300 in my head, but I don't remember. Yeah, there's. I know there was 12 rows. I could probably pull up their CAD drawing to send me and tell you. But even if there is 240 at five dollars a piece, you know, you're looking at twelve hundred dollars to replace all the cutters. And then yeah, another $1,200 I mean, got... to pay my son with a screwdriver to sit there and turn them. Right, because, yeah, because just rotating them. I was thinking that when it comes time for you to rotate the cutter head on there is, like, you turn off the phone and... You put just, a movie on. Yeah, put the movie on for the kids. Nobody comes... Lock the door. Yep. And well, you... but if you did notice, I don't know if you noticed, I noticed on those cutters... 
They are numbered. The edges oh, are, are they numbered. really? Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's one, two, three, and four. So it's like you start on one, you rotate to two. So you can't really get it wrong as as long as you don't, you know. Skip one or several. Well, I mean, even if you skip one, it's not. No, it's not the deal. end of the world, but still, <laughs> it just. Yeah. 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 Unless you damage a, the cutters, are you ever going to have to replace them? I mean, there's 24 <laughs> inches of like cutting, nearly like edge joining one inch like wide pieces, so you just keep moving down. That's and true. That's you true. Get four every size on each cutter. Yeah. I mean, every every three years to... you, yeah, every three years you move the fence, a, you know, an inch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. Like the rotational grazing of using your cutter head. That's right. Yeah. Oh man. Special shout out to Epilogue Laser and their cool set of tools that allow you to customize and make unique woodworking projects. You can check out all that they have at epiloguelaser.com. But it's I it's it's kind of sad, but I knew this was gonna happen. The I had that cutter head machine and, and we'll get photos up of, of the original and the new one. Um, I had the I had that cutter head machined in exactly the same way as the original, okay? Meaning the journals on the ends of the cutter head, the, the shaft of the cutter head, is exactly the same as the original, with the exception of the th- nut and the thread on the ends. Um, they updated those to a more modern thread style. Um, the, the thing that's going to be sad, though, is because this was a direct drive jointer, okay? It was a... You had a, a bearing block on the user side, and then on the on the non-operator side, so the back side of the cutter head, the motor was attached to the shaft, and the motor itself had three bearings inside of it. So the motor itself was the bearing surface on the back side. So on the on the back side of this cutter head, the journal is maybe like sixteen or eighteen inches long. Where the front side, it's only three inches long because you just need enough for a bearing and the nut to go on the end. So because I don't have the original motor, I can't do a direct drive. Now I could if I if I like use like a spider coupling and and fabricated a bracket to hang a you know seven and a half horse motor off the back end of it, which seems ridiculous. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna run it off of I'm gonna run it off of V belts and pulleys. Um. So what that means is that I think, and this is one of those things that I'm going to have to get it up on the machine, get it in place, and figure out where it needs to be done. I'm going to cut the shaft off. I'm going to cut that journal off because there's no point in having an extra 12 inches of journal sticking out the backside of the machine when right. the pulley's maybe three inches from the end of the cutter head. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's going to be... Yeah. It's going to be like, oh, I just paid $4,000 for this cutter head. Now I'm going to take my angle grinder with a cutoff <laughs> wheel and just <laughs> cut it off. So, yeah. Yeah, you saying, like, explaining how that was a direct drive motor. And I'm thinking, like, the damage to the cutter head and that being mm-hmm. on a direct drive motor. It's like, I wonder what ha- like, when that stopped. You know, because it's not like it's, it, it was connected to a belt. Where it would slip, you know, when when that yeah. when whatever hit the the cutter head, yeah. it was directly mounted to the motor. So it's like, like, did somebody lose their life on this joint? Right? Is is this haunted? it's haunted? Yeah, is it haunted? It's spooky I don't season. Know. <laughs> it is. Yeah, you it's never cursed. know. <laughs> it's one of those yeah. things that I, and I said this. I I I posted a picture of the the cutter head on the OWWM old woodworking machinery um Facebook page. It's technically fans of OWWM. So if anybody's interested in joining it. It's um and I said, you know, hey, got my new cutter head in, you know, does anybody know a company that manufactures through shaft motors? Like that's I guess it's not that common of a style of drive anymore. Um, but I was like, there has to be somebody that's making motors for through shaft driven power systems. Um, and I I just happened to make the comment that when I 
the first time this thing gets turned on, it's going to be like, poke the button as I'm hiding around the edge of the door. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be the whole Mythbusters, Lexan shields. Like, right. it's just going to be Hold scary. your phone and, around the corner yeah. to video it. Yeah. And I had a lot of people say, you know what? This thing's going to run so smooth. It's You're going to be thinking, that's all the faster it goes? I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It's just, hmm. I do have to. I, I was hoping to get the base sandblasted before the winter set in. Right. But I don't know if I'm going to. I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, winter's coming this weekend, so. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's here. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. All right. That's fair. All right. One of the things that I wanted to talk about was a offhanded comment that you made Tuesday when you were here. Mm-hmm. And let me get my piece of paper out here. Okay, I'm going to grab something because I know what you're talking about. Logan says, I've had a weird obsession with hand saws recently. Yes, I have. Now, can so, I tell you where this stems from? Yes, I we need some kind of explanation. So we need context here. Okay, so there has for several years been a movement in the. I'm, I'm calling it movement just to sound smart. There's been a movement in the in the hand tool world that there's a lot of new saw makers hitting the the industry okay yeah which is weird because it started i would have to say with mostly with planes hand planes yes yes it did um but one of the one of the first guys to hit the the market was eric florip um i have one of his saws it's in the basement i can't grab it right now um so eric started making saws started making them at a a fairly large scale i mean his saws were way underpriced i think when i bought my saw my dovetail saw from him i think it was like 95 bucks for a handmade saw like stupid cheap. Um, Eric's had some health issues. Um, I, I I think he had, you know, without sounding ignorant, I believe he had a brain tumor and it's kind of, he's been fighting it for the last couple of years. So his, his saws have kind of been put on hold, I think um, as they should be, but there has been a number of other saw makers pop up. Okay. Um, one of the, in my opinion, the, the top of the top and having never, touched, held, or used one of his saws, Shane Skelton out of England. Okay, Skelton Saws. Um, Shane is making some of the most gorgeous hand saws you'll ever see. Now, there is a two-year wait for him. Year wait, two-year wait. Um, I, I assume there's wait because his website, not that I looked recently, but his <laughs> his website says, you know, you pay your deposit and then we will get a hold of you Uh six months from your completion date for the balance. Okay. So that to me tells me that there's a, there's a several year wait. His saws are expensive. I mean, you're talking over they're in pounds they are over a thousand pounds a piece. So Man, they just are the shipping on that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. You thought your joiner cutter head was a lot. <laughs> I don't feel good enough for your crap, John. <laughs> um, but uh, so his saws are expensive. So you got you got Shane, then you got a lot of other guys here in the states that are making beautiful saws. Um, and I've done I've done some kind of bespoke maker spotlights in the magazine over the last year or so. Um, one of the guys I highlighted was a gentleman by the name of Jared Green, um, who Jared listens to this podcast. I know he does. Uh, and Jared makes beautiful saws. Um, he and I think I, I think I've said this before. Uh, he is now making saws for Blue Spruce Toolwork. So all of the Blue Spruce saws that they're making are Jared Green saws. Um, and I think Jared's going to release his own line or limited edition line of his saws through Blue Spruce. Um, so just uh, super cool. Yep, there's one of the Blue Spruce saws that Phil has. Um, I have a couple of them in the cabinet here. Um, beautiful saws. Um, 
Now, currently, Jared and Blue Spruce are offering back saws. So, kind of dovetail carcass and gentleman style saws. So, kind of like a, you know, pole style saw. Um, the There aren't many makers right now um, that offer panel saws. Okay. Now, one of the guys that I have kind of kept an eye on and I've kind of talked to a bit um, is a gentleman by the name of Charlie. Uh, and he's in, I'm going to look right now, Warwick, I think. Um, Charlie Ernest is his name. Uh, I think he's in Warwick, Rhode Island. Yeah, Warwick, Rhode Island. Um, Spring Grease Saw Works is his company's name. Um, I've kind of followed him for several years. He kind of came into the saw making world making some really nice looking saws. Um, and I, I had asked him about buying one of his saws several years ago. Um, and saying, you know, Hey, I want to buy one of your saws. And, and if you don't mind, I'd like to do a kind of a spotlight on it. Um, I think this was after I did Jared's. Um, and he's like, Oh, he's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not really at the level where I feel like I would like you to do that. Like, like I don't like, I, I'm not at the, I, he did not feel like he was at the level that he wanted to put his stuff out in front of everybody. Okay. Which is fine. That's cool. Um, I completely respect that. Um, but that wasn't really the point. The point of my kind of my, uh, bespoke maker spotlights is to, is to share makers, tool makers within the community with the community. So it's like, Hey, look, this is what your peers are doing. And these are people you can support in the community. Um, long story short. Um, I have one of his panel saws coming. Um, because I have been using this guy. So this is a short little, uh, this is a distant D eight, um, little panel saw. This guy's not very long at all. Um, this is one of their smaller versions they made. It is heel to toe, uh, almost 20 inches. It's like 19 and a half inches. It's a little guy, but I've been using the crap out of this. This is a crosscut one. Um, I've been using the crap, the, the crap out of this to break down because I don't have my miter saw set up in here yet. So as I'm working on trim and, and stuff and working with long pieces, I mean, even the shave horse I made in the last issue of Popwood, I broke everything down with, with this saw. It's pretty fine. I, it's 11 points per inch. Um, I really like just breaking stuff down with this and then either shooting it with my shooting board or bringing it to the table saw. And it is amazing how efficient a good saw is. So, yes, my my obsession with saws lately has kind of stemmed from, A, I know a lot of these guys that are making these newer saws. And to me, it's fascinating seeing the little nuances between the makers. And they all make, they all make spectacular saws. Like, there's not a... There's there's some guys that don't sell their saws that make saws that I'm like yeah okay they they could be a little bit higher polished but the guys that are putting themselves out are you know they're good they are good um, so I've enjoyed using them lately um, I I found a renewed love for for my hand saws um, which is also what led me to this new uh, saw tilt build because my one downstairs is choked out um, and. Hansos are a cool tool flipping niche because I think I think dollar for dollar I make more money on saws than other stuff because I don't restore them I don't mess, I don't dick with them you know what I mean like it's like I just don't have the time and there are guys that are really good this one uh, this this D eight I got this one and two others um, from a gentleman in Michigan. Uh, his name is Bob Page. Um, Bob is pretty well known in the um, hand tool community. Um, how this worked out, I think I had I had like 35 saws I had bought. I don't know where. I don't know why, <laughs> but I did. And I had a bunch of them. 
And Bob was like, hey, I want to buy a few of those. And I said, well, listen, I'll send you all of them if you send me three saws. I want, uh, I think maybe I had, maybe I said send me two saws and I bought a third from him. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he restored them. They're beautiful. Um, And there's just, there's something about the handles I really like. And Phil, you've made a few handles for some of your saws. Like, they're just cool, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a... And there's a lot of different styles of handles out there, too. And they're a lot of fun to make. They feel and seem like they would be harder than they are. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I found them to be a really fun project to do. Especially if you find... you Because know, a lot of times uh, hand saws will have some crack or split or nails driven yeah. through it or something like that and you can find patterns online that you can use and then you can just i did ended up with a couple of saws and then by making all of the saw handles out of walnut mm-hmm. now i all the saws are related to each other you know so it turns it into a set so to speak yeah. so so that part's yeah. kind of cool this is one of the other saws i got from bob so See, now uh, I have not tried the, the thumb hole yet. Like, you have not tried to cut with one or make one? I have not tried to make one yet. Because um, yeah, I, I, I have a rip saw that I think I got from <clears throat> you. Yeah, I think so. Yep. And the handle on that one is perfectly serviceable, but sure. it doesn't match the other handles. So it's like, maybe that one just needs to be... I need to try that. Yeah, but then I would I, have to make a left-handed thumb hole rip saw. Well, yeah, yeah, you would. Um, and I don't know because I will tell you, holding this left-handed, this is not comfortable. <laughs> it's, it is definitely designed right-handed. Um, you know what I am excited for? I'm pretty sure Jared, and I'm sure Jared will shoot me a message if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure they're planning on making panel saws. I hope they're planning on making panel saws. Um, And I told him, I was like, look, the people want, no, nay, they demand that any panel saws that Blue Spruce or Jared Green makes have nibs on them. Okay. Because I think that's just, that's just the style, man. Like there's no point to them as far as everybody can tell, but I do like this, the old style hand or, blades on hand saws whether they're a panel saw or a full-size hand saw where the front end is rounded over could still have the nib but you know there's the after a while they just kind of went yeah squarey like that but then there's the ones that have like a i don't know it's probably like a two inch radius or something like that it's pretty yep um i think i could be wrong on this i'm probably wrong on this i think um if you look at skeleton saws, a lot of those are made after uh, some of the tools found in the Seton chest. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is, uh, it has that giant round over on the front. Yeah. So. Yeah, it does. Yep. Okay, I, I see that. Because I, yeah. I don't have a power miter saw in my shop at all. And I have that cross-cut hand saw that I use for breaking down stock. And then I got that rip saw mm-hmm. mostly just for fun or experimentation on it or whatever. But yeah. I have that, the, the white pine that I got from you for that desk that I made and I did some ripping with it. And there's some, there's a delight in that too. Yeah. Well, and I, it's, I shouldn't be amazed at this point in my life and career, but it amazes me how clean and accurate of a cut you can get free handing a 90 degree cut with a yeah. good panel saw. Like I would say, I don't know if you guys will be able to see. So all that trim up there in the okay. corner. Yeah. Yeah. It's all cut straight off the saw. I mean, off the, off my panel saw it's, you know, it's just a, it's a four inch wide cross cut, but you use the reflection and after doing it several hundred times, your, your body just kind of gets in that, you know, it is what it is. It's there. It's 90 degrees. Um, 
So it's it's interesting. The one thing I needed to do is stop being lazy and get my saw benches out from underneath the bench. Because I'm like leaning the board on the table saw, cutting on the top <laughs> of the tables. It's like, come on, man, you got saw benches. Yeah, just set up a little station there. Yeah. And it's it's surprising that for as much hand sawing as I've been doing recently, I'm not having any issues with my tendonitis. Oh, um, really? Which is, yeah, is, is surprising to me um, because, man, swinging a framing hammer, oh, God, I'm I'm being whiny for the next week because my elbow's all inflamed. But, yeah, sawing does no, nothing to me. No issues. Okay. So, Interesting. Yeah. But I'm trying to avoid being one of those guys that has 45 saws on their wall. Right. And we you talked have, about this. I think you have plenty of space for it, though. Right. <laughs> yeah, but there's a like. Unless you're kind of a collector. Yeah, not so much a collector as a display of woodworking artifacts. You know, like the old studio, yeah. we had that big two-man <clears throat> crosscut saw. That we hung over the carriage doors. And then we also had hanging on the wall that uh, Atkins floor saw. Yeah. You know, and that's, they're just kind of curiosities. Mm-hmm. So if you're the Cracker Barrel of right. shops, yes. you got tools hanging on your wall. See, yeah. the, the, I guess the, the thing that I, the way I, the way I justify this to myself <clears throat> um is that do I need three different dovetail saws or four different dovetail saws? No, but I enjoy using each one for a different reason than the other ones. Either okay, I know who made it, you know, or sure. my wife bought it for me, or you know what I mean? Like everyone has their own little nuances. Um, so plus. You know, oftentimes I have a lot of people coming in and out of the shop. So it's like, hey, you know, here's a saw from Jared Green when he was making them on his own. And here's Blue Spruces. And here's, you know, uh, Dave Jensky's new saw, which is, I don't know, we've shown that one, have we? I have it right here. Yeah, okay. Because mine's, I think mine's under the bench. Yeah. So that's Dave Jensky's new saw. So Dave was the actual founder of Blue Spruce. And now he's making saws. Um, It's kind of like... If a new concept saw and a hacksaw had like a hoity-toity love child. It's like a bone yeah. saw. Kind of. That's <laughs> that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah, it looks like a it looks like a vintage bone saw, but it has a pole style tooth. It's very it's a very cool saw and it cuts really, really nicely. Um as Dave said when I was talking to him about those saws, he's like, this is not a saw for heavy casework. This is like the box dovetail saw. Like your it's for thinner stock. It's not for doing like, you know, a big my a big dovetailed mitered case, and that's not what it's for. So, right. Yeah. But cool. Yeah. I'll put so, some photos of these for the people who aren't listening on the YouTubes. Uh, put some photos on the show notes page. So I'll have Logan send me a couple of photos of his and then I got the um, blue spruce ones and Dave Jeskies to, yeah. You know the one the one saw that I have that I've <coughs> I've used it. <coughs> I have a few vintage miter boxes. Okay, like okay. I'm talking about the old style with the the carriage that the miter saw slides into. Yep, I have one of those. Um, and I actually have one I think from the old. Studio, maybe the carriage house is where I bought it from. It was a mi- it's a mi- it's a miter one, um, where it's a forty five degree only clamp and miter saw, um, big old cast iron Stanley one. But I also and I bought it. I think I showed it to you guys that when I bought it. It's probably been two years ago. Um, I bought a distant miter saw. So you know, you talk about you know, it's it's probably eight inches tall. But it's like forty six inches long, dude. It's huge, and I don't know. Like I thought, I I I listed it for sale one day. I'm like, I don't know what the heck I'm gonna do with this thing. And I thought I had it sold to a guy in Alaska, which would have been cool. Um, 
But I don't know what I'm going to do with it. So if anybody needs to buy a 46-inch long miter saw, you just let me know. I'll hook you up. Mm. There you go. Yeah, it's funny hearing you guys talk about all these, your love for hand saws and these wonderful hand saws. And I have a woodworking confession to make because I feel like this is a safe place. Um, <laughs> I, You've never I, used a hand saw? <laughs> no, no, never used, no. I think I own one hand saw. And it's a Irwin uh, brand, like has a probably an orange plastic handle that I'm pretty yep. sure I got from Menards. for free yep. after rebate yep. from Menards. <laughs> okay. And the only time I used it this past year is I threw it in the back of the minivan knowing I was going to get some 12-foot 2x6s that I needed to break down in the parking lot to get home. So that's my, now, that's my handsaw experience. I'm going to tell you, and this is going to sound sociopathic, Okay. Those are the best bone saws ever. So I have I have three of those, and I use them for processing deer. They work so well. They have induction hardened teeth. They are fantastic. I don't know how they cut wood, but man, yeah. bone they cut bone so nice. Yeah. All right. So, and they're disposable, free after rebate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're sharp little bastards too. Yeah. I've nicked myself yeah. with them. Like if your you know hands are all cold, you're processing a deer and. Mm-hmm. You, all of a sudden, the gloves are all ripped. There's blood all over. That's yeah. not the deer's. I keep it in the uh, custom uh, cardboard sheath that came came in, <laughs> mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, so I don't cut myself. Right. Good idea. Uh, Smart. It's an it's an investment, you know. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So okay, I have a question related to saws, mm. and this is, you know, with this pending workbench build that I have coming up. Um, which I think I told you guys. I, I got drawings from Stephen Bunn on on the Shaker one that we're going to build. Um, would it be weird? Yeah, it would be weird. I just answered my own question. So my saw benches that I have are under the, the edges of my, my workbench. So you just got to slide them out to use them, whatever. Not a big deal. It's like, could you incorporate like a pull-out saw bench like on a workbench or a flip down saw bench where it's like arms that you just flip down and then you can cut right on the backside of the bench, mm-hmm. assuming your bench is in the middle of the room. Okay. I All don't right. know that you'd have enough room there to get the saw in between like the bench and the, yeah. I don't I feel know. Like, I feel like there's, there's something, something there. there. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Did you guys see the the casters I sent you? Or it's not casters. So I was watching. Yeah, been a homesick for the last couple of days, laying on the couch watching YouTube. Um, Padula Woodworks. Okay, Padula I've never watched. Woodworks. I think it's Padula. Um, I've heard of his channel. Okay, I don't think I've ever actually watched any of his stuff. Um, the gentleman seems like he may be of. Maybe he's Canadian. I'm trying to place where he. Well, I'm trying to place where his accent was. I don't remember where his accent was from. Maybe he's he might be Australian. I don't know. I don't really know. You're anywhere outside, so many yeah, right anywhere outside the U.S., it's all the same, yeah. right? Uh, anyways, so he, he built this workbench, and it's beautiful. It's it's a split top rubo, uh, kind of. It's based on a split-top Rubo. It's a beautiful workbench. He has some really interesting design features. It's it's very far away from a traditional-style workbench. Um, Pop-up, uh, log dog, or uh, log dogs, um, bench dogs, um, has a pop-up. So a split-top Rubo, sometimes you have that like tool divider in the center that you can take out and flip it over, and then it becomes like a planing stop. Yeah. Uh, his is like a, you push it to the left and it pops up and shifts up. It's, it's very interesting. Okay. But one thing he did is he used a pair of motorcycle jacks. So, um, it'd be like a motorcycle lift that you put under a motorcycle's skid plate to jack it up in the air so you can work on it. And they make hydraulic ones where you step on a pedal. Um, then they make kind of the standard screw style where you put a socket on it and just turn it and the lead screw lifts it up. So he used those under his bench. He bolted casters on them. And then he drilled a hole in the front apron so he can put a wrench in it and screw it. And it jacks, it lowers 
these casters to move his bench around. I thought it was a brilliant idea because you know we've used we've used casters on our benches everywhere because we have to move stuff around. They're ugly. Like they don't look good. Mm-hmm. Um, they look like casters. Um, and I just thought it was a very interesting way. I'll see if I can screenshot it and link to his video. I think I sent you guys the link in our chat. Um, I just was. It was. I was like, this is the type of thing I would have never thought about, and completely the thing I'm going to steal as I'm building my bench. <laughs> All right, at the beginning of this show, I talked about that we would talk about workbenches, which we did here a little bit at the end, but I think there's a little larger discussion on workbenches that we need to have. We'll save that for another time. Uh, Just a shout out and a little bit of a teaser. We're going to have a couple of special guests on next week's episode of the Shop Notes podcast. I'm looking forward to that conversation, and it'll be really cool with two woodworkers that I've admired their work for a long time and they're just great people to be around anyway. So uh, special thanks to Epilogue Laser and their family of products that allow you to customize your woodworking projects, whether they're going to be gifts or things for friends and family, or if you're doing this as a side hustle or a business, you can use them to add value to your projects by making them one of a kind. You want to check out their stuff at epiloguelaser.com. You can watch the Shop Notes podcast on our YouTube channel. We got a bunch of videos that have been going up on there. Some really cool project builds and other stuff. Don't forget to click all the little buttons and things on there to make sure that YouTube is constantly pestering you with stuff. Uh, Subscribe on all the local podcasteries. The artisanal ones are the best. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, I want to hear about it. You can put them on our YouTube channel or send us an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week.